Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Today with me, we have Michael Bolling, that is the head of social and content at Linktree. If you're new to the show, I wanted to invite you to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. We have fantastic, amazing guests every single Wednesday. Enjoy the show. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, and uh, what I usually ask, you know, first question in is just tell a bit more about yourself because uh, people, you know, might know the company, but not know about you. So who is Michael and, you know, what are you up lately? Absolutely. So lately, uh, in the last six months, I have been uh, working at Linktree as head of social and content. So yeah, in this role, uh, I'm helping Linktree spread the good message about how we're helping creators to better monetize their content, to share everything cool that they're doing on the internet uh, across all the platforms they're operating. So I manage uh, our mighty organic social team, and we're operating on all of the major platforms. And then I also work uh, doing content for our uh, written blog. Um, and then on top of that, I just work on all sorts of marketing initiatives. Um, and then, yeah, I've been in sort of the startup marketing space for uh, the last four or five years. Previous to this, I worked at Hims and Hers uh, in a similar position, although I also ran a program that helped uh, bring in micro-influencers to do content for us. And then in my past life, uh, I was a journalist for more than a decade working at brands like uh, Vice, the Huffington Post, and uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Fantastic. What made you switch from going from journalist to, uh, uh, you know, creating a different type of content or like, you know, more in the marketing side? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when I originally started in journalism, I actually worked at a newspaper. Um, I was laying out pages um, and there was a daily deadline. Um, and even then there was a lot of turmoil in the business. The newspaper business has been sort of slowly dying for 30, 40 years now almost. Um, and so even then I knew, okay, I need to get into the digital space. So I started blogging at that newspaper, doing online content for them, and I landed a job at Yahoo. Uh, and so from there, I really just like dove into digital journalism as it was really coming into its own. I worked at HuffPost for four years where I just learned a ton about SEO and then eventually about getting traffic from social. Um, but you know, around 2018, 2019, I'd moved to New York and I was working at Vice and, you know, I started to see that that enthusiasm, uh, that had existed for digital media was waning, uh, both internally and also I would say in the market more generally. So it just became sort of hard times for digital media and, you know, more than anything, it was just like, I really enjoyed um, my years at HuffPost in particular, because I worked on a very small team uh, when we launched in Canada. And so I was like, I want to work on a small team again and like build something where everyone's really enthusiastic about it instead of sort of trying to save something that is in decline or chased by sort of uh, opposition on all sides. And so, yeah, I got the job at Hims and Hers, and I instantly sort of fell in love. I mean, being able to work particularly with small and medium-sized creators, um, coming up with content ideas that would work for us was really, really fun. And hey, I got to make a lot of great memes along the way as well. Amazing. And now Linktree, right? So for for people that, I mean, it's quite you know well-known in the space and not even in the space because we are from celebrities to 
model content creators, uh, businesses use your like, you know, link to every different links. And that's how we started. But now, nowadays, you know, it's much more than that. But just in a nutshell, like for people listening in, um, what is Linktree? How did it start? It, and, and how did it evolve it in, the, in the past years? Yeah, absolutely. So Linktree is the number one link and bio service on planet Earth. We have well over 30 million users now. Um, oh. So we're a platform that allows you to share all the different aspects of your online life. So whether that's bringing together your social media platforms, your website, um, content you're trying to monetize directly, um, if you're a small business and you're trying to sell products or merchandise, um, you know, we're a home for all different types of creators and people using the internet so that they can drop one link into their bio and other places online. Many people even use their link tree as a business card now um, and sort of just have that one calling card for you across everywhere uh, that you operate. So that's sort of what Linktree is in a nutshell. How did it start? Well, um, two brothers in Australia who were running an agency largely servicing uh, music clients. And uh, all these music clients were running into this problem where on their social media platforms and in particular we on Instagram, they were having to trade out their links super regularly. Uh, anybody who was working in social media in 2014, 2015, 2016, is very aware of this frustration, you know, like setting yourself a reminder alarm so that you would remember to trade out the Instagram and your client's bio at like midnight, uh, wherever you were. And so, um, you know, Alex and, uh, and Anth, who are the two brothers uh, who founded the company along with our other co-founder, uh, Nikki Humphreys, um, they saw an opportunity. And so they just quickly started up a little website that allowed you to share multiple links. And that website became Linktree. Uh, and it caught fire. It's grown enormously since then. Um, and I'm really proud to be a part of the company. Um, and then as for what we've been up to lately, I mean, a lot. Um, so, you know, in the last uh, year or so, we've launched a couple of really, really interesting projects. So one that's near and dear to my heart is a partnership uh, with TikTok that allows you to embed your TikTok profile into your link tree. So we're the first major partner of this kind with TikTok, uh, which I think is really exciting. They're an important relationship for us as they have obviously quickly become arguably the dominant social media platform in the United States. Obviously, they're facing a lot of potential issues right now, but um, you know, there's no argument that people are using it. So this integration is really cool because you don't have to like update your link tree every time you drop a new TikTok. You can just put your TikTok, it'll display the first several videos in your TikTok. And when you update your TikTok, your link tree will reflect that. It's also a great tool just for sending more people back to your TikTok rather than them just seeing like a little link that says my TikTok. Um, you know, they can actually see the rich environment, play a couple videos, and it just sort of increases the probability that someone's going to click back and become a follower. Um, so that's really exciting. We also launched our mobile app. Um, obviously, we know that in 2023, most people are operating on mobile more than on desktop. Um, so we launched an app on iOS and Android that allows you to do all the great sort of updating and upkeep on your Wintree uh, from your phone. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we're super focused on, on helping creators with the challenges that they have, um, particularly when it comes to running a business. So We've introduced a lot of 
uh, exciting new monetization features in the last year. So we have two features that allow you to send money directly to a creator from their link tree. Um, the first is called Tip Jar, and the second is called Buy Me a Gift. Um, they're similar, but Buy Me a Gift is really cool because you can sort of put an emoji that represents what it is you actually want your creators to give you money for. So, you know, you drop a podcast episode, you say, hey, I'm super tired. All I do is record these podcasts all day. Can somebody please buy me a nice coffee from the coffee shop next door? Drop your little coffee emoji in there and get that. Um, we also launched partnerships uh, with SendOwl, um, which allows you to better sort of monetize any content you're selling online, whether it's a podcast or a training course. Um, and then also with Bonfire, um, which makes it easier uh, for you to sell merchandise online. You can now embed your Bonfire directly into your link tree. So that's just some of the many things we're working on. We've got a dedicated team that's always working to make our platform better for creators um, to serve the the needs and problems that that they face every single day. Fantastic. When you say about, you know, even just the story, how this started, I remember that at the beginning, I was fascinated by the sort of like, you know, the growth hack behind the, the, the how to scale such a company because I do remember that celebrities were adding that and when you were clicking on the link in bio it was saying like power by link three yeah. and that it just like you know your customer acquisition cost right it goes like you know just decrease so much right because it's basically free publicity right for you so i guess that that helped a lot right between influencers and content creators like even without paying someone they just do it because they like the product and they're basically becoming your advocate, right? So absolutely. I mean, having people like Selena Gomez, uh, Harry Styles, and like TikTok itself using Linktree um, is an enormous weapon for us in our marketing efforts. Um, and we have a fantastic partnership team at Linktree who does a really great job listening to sort of the questions and concerns and needs from all of our partners. Um, so that they can help them build. And I mean, it's one of the really amazing things about working at Linktree is just how much of the growth is organic. You know, it, it comes from people just like seeing Linktree on the creator bios of people who they follow and watch. And it also comes from seeing their friends use the service and get value from it. Um, so that's a huge part of the marketing as well. But obviously, you know, I do a lot of work trying to get us in front of eyeballs on social media and sort of like let people know how much they can do with their link tree. Because I think, you know, there can be something of a perception that like your link in bio, you just go, you drop in your link to your TikTok and your Instagram and your YouTube. And that's the end of the story. But you know, this space has evolved a lot to the the place where for many people, it's like it's replacing having like a, a full website, you know. Um, and so I think it's exciting to be able to share all that stuff with people and, and also just show off all the cool ways that readers are using their link tree. Like mm -hmm. we've set up the product in a way that allows you to customize it um, to really look and feel like you. Um, and so it's always neat every day I'm getting sent new link trees where I get to just like see all the cool creativity coming to life from people who are just so creative and inspiring. Hey, quick break. This podcast is hosted by the Influencer Marketing Factory. We are an influencer marketing agency that helps brands and companies engage with Gen Z and millennials on social media. We take care of influencer identification, storytelling, creativity, negotiation, contracting, campaign management, error analysis, in-depth reporting, cut and boosting, and much, much more. Are you interested in learning more? 
you can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or you can Google the Influencer Marketing Factory. Fantastic. And, you know, uh, before we get in more in the influencer marketing, you know, uh, content creator side, super quickly, you know, we don't have necessarily to go super in details about this. Yeah. But when you talk about, you know, different uh, sort of modular apps, right, that you can add on and everything, do you see a future for super apps in the US or, or is it something that is still mostly for the Asian world, mostly out of China, for example, where yeah. they are really used to is, Do you think there is, there is a future there for the US as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, at the moment, like, you know, things are still relatively fragmented compared to a country mm -hmm. like China when it comes to apps. And there's a reason why Elon Musk keeps talking endlessly about how he's going to turn Twitter into a super app. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, the other element is people become very entrenched in their user behavior. So like, you know, I'm used to using my Apple Pay now to pay for the subway, to pay for a coffee, to pay for my online purchases if I'm in a gaming environment or just like surfing on my phone more generally. So, you know, am I going to shift payments into a social platform or some other platform? when Apple has integrated it so well into the dominant sort of iOS experience that so many of us are using, mm. you know, that's certainly a challenge. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I'm opening a lot of different apps to do all of the different things that I do. Um, and I think we certainly see the platforms like attempting to become more super app-like. I mean, in the last five years, they've all doubled down enormously mm -hmm. on messaging, um, especially as the sort of we don't hear about this trend as much, but like public sharing declining was something Facebook and Meta talked about a lot four or five years ago. And I think like TikTok has been a real extension of that. Um, like the, the content that people are sharing on TikTok is very different from the content people were sharing on Instagram five, six, seven years ago. Um, and so with that decline in personal sharing and sort of the rise of the, the group chat, um, I think that that's been something that a lot of the social networks have been pretty successful at. But again, it's very fragmented. Like in, yeah. I take my per personal case, like I have a group chat that happens in Facebook Messenger. I have a couple of group chats that take place in WhatsApp. I have a couple that take place in iMessage. I have recurring payments across tons of different apps. And so there's certainly a huge opportunity for bringing a lot of these things together. But it's interesting, like, you know, we've seen a lot of attempts at centralizing social media feeds more generally. And, you know, I don't know if we've seen the right answer to that yet. I think a lot of people want to see the sort of the unique presence that people have on their social platforms. And that's why Linktree is a great tool. You know, it's like it's best in both worlds. You can bring all of your stuff together, but also allow them to have sort of a different experience on platforms because obviously your youtube is not the same as your tiktok your twitter is not absolutely yeah you, you go sometimes in different places because of the, the different tone of voice the top of audience trying right? the, the style and so on and uh, and you know getting back on on the content creator side you know so we said before linktree helps every type of content creator there are not even just content creators right? like everyone that just all like, businesses musicians yeah exactly and so i'm pretty sure that there are certain issues right and challenges uh, no matter who you are, right? For for anyone out there, could be you know influencers uh, and their taxes, uh, uh, you know how yeah. to deal with personal finances and business, like you know and so on. Uh, sad geeks for some people. Like, have you identified uh, like certain challenges that you think are like across people? And if so, 
how are you trying to you know solve or at least you know help and guide people in 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 uh, in fixing them and just like you know get to a level where they are not uh, get anxiety right just because of everything that is extra but they can mostly focus on either creating content or selling their items uh, the merchandising yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, taxes is definitely one. We're working on a video right now talking about taxes for creators since April's coming up. I haven't done mine yet, so wish me luck. Um, but I think like monetization more generally is obviously at the top of a lot of creators' lists. Um, you know, they're monetizing across multiple platforms, but usually there is a, a middleman involved. Um, and so, you know, with Linktree, as I mentioned earlier, we have these great features that allow you to send money directly to creators on a one-off or recurring basis. So that's a really cool thing um, that I think a lot of creators have been really, really excited about. And the one of the other really cool things about it is we're not taking a cut. So the money goes directly to you. The payment processor may take a cut, but you get all the money. So that's really, really lovely. Um, and then, you know, I would say, as I talked about, we have a lot of other, um, like gaps is what we call them to help you monetize. So, you know, you can integrate your Shopify or your spring store directly to, um, Linktree. So instead of having to like set your entire store up again. And then I think related to monetization is like analytics. So, you know, we even just recently um, did some updates that allow you to like look at your analytics over custom date ranges instead of having to pick specific windows. And this is something that linkers had been asking for all the time because, you know, whether it is doing your taxes and trying to figure out where that big spike in money came from, well, now you can look at all the traffic to your link tree and be like, oh yeah, I had that giant spike when I released that interview in like September of last year and go and look at that. And also to just to help consolidate your um, your analytics if you are operating on multiple social platforms. Your Linktree gives you sort of one home where you can keep track of the health of everything that you're doing. So I think that that's some of the the major stuff that we're, we're working on right now. But, you know, I think one other thing that's underrated on Linktree that's helpful for creators is just like finding other creators and exploring their work. Like, you know, for me, working in the social media and content creation space for, you know, more than the past decade, um, you know, I get really inspired when I see other content that I really like. And um, I think often I find myself landing on a lake tree and rather than just like watching the one video or going to the one piece of content that brought me to the lake tree in the first place, I now find myself looking at all of their social platforms, maybe opening an essay they've written about themselves and just learning more about somebody more deeply and following that connection. And I think that that's something that a link tree is really, really powerful for, not just for finding other creators, but if you are an individual creator and like deepening that connection. And, you know, I, I think sure we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's something that all of the social platforms seem super focused on right now. TikTok in particular, I think, is like, how do we take this massive audience that's passively consuming content and turn them into users who follow and engage with somebody to the degree that they might um, on a YouTube? Um, and so I think, you know, for, for us, that's a great sort of benefit that we offer in our product right now, which is like, you don't just have to share that one video that's super viral right now of yourself. Like maybe that's an entrance point for people, but the link tree gives them an opportunity to explore like 
everything about you and get to the place where they're like, yeah, this isn't just somebody whose video I'm going to see in a feed once and then never think of them ever again. This is going to become somebody who maybe I'm a fan of um, and who I engage with more actively in the future. Absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, it can can be almost like you know a rabbit hole of uh, content. Sometimes, right? You get into one link and you click another one. That is basically the internet 1.0, right? It just yeah. interlinks just to go from one place to the other. Uh, so I can see why that might be helpful um, and for many people. And um, on one of the points that we said before, I mentioned it's about monetization, right? Nowadays, with the creator economy. Every, every day we're talking about, you know, why content creators should be, you know, like paid a certain way, why social media should also help and so on. But uh, overall, is there any, anything that you noticed working in this industry, like in terms of how, how to diversify, right, revenue stream? Because we all know that you should have never put all your ba- eggs in one basket in, in anything, in life, in business, yeah. right? And also with social media, what if tomorrow anything happens to your account, they get banned, whatever, you know, yeah. you get hacked. Um, the same also should be for revenue stream. Have you found like any good tips uh, to to share to other creators, uh, influencers out there, or even just like you know business owners that again are using a LinkedIn bio for them? Like, have you have you found something that works well, uh, like a sort of formula for them to how to divide and split? Is there anything that works best um, in your in your opinion? I mean, I wish there was a one size fits all answer to this question because um, it's certainly one that I get asked a lot, um, but. You know, I would say it really does depend on the creator. So, I mean, the number one piece of advice you'll hear, which is very good advice, is to diversify. So if you look at an industry that I used to work in, like journalism, journalism became very dependent over the years on Facebook traffic in particular. And then when Facebook moved increasingly away from news content in the feed and also just there was increased competition, as we're seeing happen on TikTok right now, for example, I think a lot of publishers found themselves overly dependent on this platform in a position where they could not negotiate with the platform. And that was bad for their businesses. So one thing I would say is like, yeah, diversify across platforms where you can monetize and then make smart decisions about like where you're going to focus yourself. So depending on the type of content you create, you know, it may be YouTube where you're making the most money for hours spent. Maybe it's actually TikTok, or maybe you've had a ton of success on Snap or wherever it is. So, you know, I wouldn't be spending the same amount of time on every single platform if one platform is making you 3x the money. Um, you know, that's something to keep in mind. But I also wouldn't be like, okay, because I'm not making as much money on this platform, I'm going to like just get rid of it. Like, that's probably not the best solution. It's better to think of prioritizing. And then, you know, like, especially for small or even medium-sized creators, it can be challenging to make a significant amount of money from the platforms directly, the social platforms. And so thinking about other smart ways that you can monetize. I mean, I saw this TikToker recently who just like made t-shirts of like her mom um, and had like sold like hundreds of thousands. So then like, yeah, like funny like, pictures making fun of her mother. Like, yeah. Hello, then everything. Yeah, that's so that. <laughs> and it's like, It's 2023. It is not super difficult for you to create merch content. Like with one of our partners, Bonfire, for example, that's something you can do really easily. So if you do have a viral moment on TikTok, like you can make merch out of that viral moment and start selling it right away to those same people who might buy it as a gang gift. And all of a sudden you've created a new dominant revenue stream for you. 
And then, you know, obviously like services like Patreon have been around for quite some time, but, you know, I think with something like uh, send me a gift or um, we can like, you can make money directly from your followers right on your link tree. And it's like, it can be a very quick interaction. It's basically a tip, you know, it's like send me $5 as you loved my last episode of uh, my YouTube series. And it's like, that's a new thing that I think people are looking to do even more, which is just monetize directly. And certainly we've seen that a lot in the podcast space um, with crowdfunding, that it's become a model that actually does work for a lot of podcasts. But it's not one that is necessarily being seen a lot in the social space. And I think we're going to see a lot of evolution there in the coming years where it's like, yeah, like in order for you to get my premium content or even just because like you want to show support, like I've subscribed to many podcasts where all the episodes were free. And the only reason I was doing it was because I'm like, I like this podcast and I feel bad that I listen to it for free every single day. So, I mean, those are some of the things. Other than that, I would say uh, make sure you figure out a good invoicing system that works for you and uh, maybe hire an accountant because that is cannot be um, overrated in its value as a creator if you're getting revenue from six, seven, eight, 10, 50 different sources every single year. Um, you know, it's a lot of work for you to do all of that and chances are you're not gonna do it as well as a professional. So that's something around tax season that I always suggest, I would say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially because uh... Uh, a lot of people are really young doing these. Uh, and of course, you don't even know what taxes means, right? Like it's no. something totally new as a, or you as, as a human being, right? That is yeah. basically like you, you were just for yesterday, you know? Yeah. I don't think I knew what the difference between long-term and short-term capital gains were when I was 20. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of education that's needed to do there. But yeah, I mean, we do content all the time on this on Linktree, but you know, just something as simple as people not understanding that, you know, if you are making money as a content creator, there are tons of write-offs for you, right? Like you should be writing off the space in your home or apartment where you create content. You can be writing off all of the equipment. You can be writing off the travel you do for shoots. And I think when people are very busy and focused on, um, you know, creativity and making content, that that's something that often falls by the wayside and that I hear as a major pain point from creators all the time. Right. It makes sense. I mean, like also when you said about, uh, uh, you subscribe to many channels, you know, because you wanted to support that, that is the same reason. Like when we run this, uh, big report about the creator economy, we surveyed like, you know, thousands of people and, uh, the, one of the main reason why, uh, someone is either tipping someone or subscribing to your channel is mostly to support them. Yeah. So exactly. Like it's not about sometimes, you know, like not for the content, like because they like them and they want to support them. So, you know, again, no matter what you want to do, my work for like merchandising, bread is whatever it is, uh, tipping, whatever you have to find yours, uh, knowing that if you really have a good, strong community, they're going to support you no matter what. Right. Uh, so they're going to help some, you know, in any way. Absolutely. And I mean, you see this all over the internet. Like, look at how K-pop has become the huge international phenomenon it has. And it's come from extremely devoted fans who want these bands to be successful. And I think it's something we underrate that we think that, you know, when it comes to content on the internet, that 
okay, well then I got to give them premium content and I have to give them ad-free versions and I have to, and like, yes, like that's all smart stuff you should be thinking about. But I think people really do underrate just how much stand culture affects monetization. Like if you can build a really loyal following, those people want to support you. They want to see you grow. Like the value to me of like somebody shouting my name out on a podcast as a supporter versus like getting an ad-free version, like what is going to create like a, a moment of joy for me that I'm going to remember for years to come. And one is going to be something that I get and then and never have any value for afterwards. So it's just like creating those joyful moments. And I think like, you know, the creators who do such a great job engaging directly with their audience, whether it is through a monetization feature, like, like tip jar, buy me a gift, or, you know, just in the comments on a video, those are the ones who are building followings that like, will stand the test of time and turn into, you know, the sort of potentially multi-billion dollar businesses we see from creators like Mr. Beast. Absolutely. I like the the idea there to do something specific for your fans. They're going to love it. It's for free, basically, you know, and they're going to absolutely get amazed by that. And uh, something I wanted also to ask you, you mentioned TikTok many times, right? I've yeah. been the, the app in the past four years. I've been growing a lot. Yeah, it's a hot topic, especially these days. Uh, has changed and matured a lot. One in terms of aging, and also like you know, uh, in terms of type of content and just overall maturity of the app. Um, it's definitely more difficult nowadays to go on the for you page, and you know some challenges here and there. Um, what do you think that could be some other challenges nowadays, uh, both for TikTok and also for people that want to make it on TikTok? Yeah. So I'd say there's two major challenges. So you certainly mentioned that getting on the For You page is more challenging than it is two years ago. And just before I jump into like some of the other challenges, I would just say, yes, that is extremely true. And there are simply more people making TikTok content today than there were a few years ago. And so there's just more competition for that feed. There's also a lot more advertising on your TikTok now, and that's also going to increase competition. And then, you know, I would say there, and this leads to my next point, is there's like fatigue on TikTok. So TikTok, you know, started out as Musical.ly, which was basically a karaoke slash dance app. Um, and then TikTok really sort of blew up as like a dance app popular among sort of Gen Z. Um, and when you think back now, over the last three years, there's been like a large number of different content cycles like we see types of content become enormously popular on tiktok and then sort of wane. and it's important to remember like many people are spending many hours per day on this app they're consuming a huge amount of content and once you've seen a lot of one thing you maybe don't want to see it anymore and you stop so I would say that's a major challenge. And I think one of the things creators and TikTok is pushing creators towards is just like creating more long form or longer form, like beyond one minute uh, into that sort of potentially YouTube competitive space um, is one thing that I think is is really great. Like you're seeing on TikTok a lot right now, like something like a get ready with me video or like a makeup tutorial or anything like that, where it used to be a really straightforward video, you're seeing people mash these up now with like storytelling moments. So it's a get ready with me and the story of like my most frightening memory from my childhood or like the most embarrassing thing that happened to me in high school, et cetera. 
It's like mashing things up to make something old that people are familiar with new again if you've already seen 5 billion Get Ready With Me videos. So that's one major trend. And then I would say the other major trend on TikTok that's not to be slept on is just uh, SEOs search more generally. So, um, you know, TikTok has been pretty vocal around some of the changes they're making in this space. So, A, they massively expanded um, the character count limit within captions. So that was a real signal that they're like, we want you to be using these for keywords. And then there's been several stories coming out about just how much Gen Z in particular is using TikTok as a search engine. Um, you know, many of these stories I think have been somewhat critical and being like, oh, well, how do you know this stuff is true? But I mean, beyond that element and like, how do you know if everything's true when you do a normal Google search? Um, you know, I would say this is a trend that's here to stay. Um, video is a lot easier to just deal with for a lot of people than searching through an article or a Wikipedia page. And so, you know, how do you creators take advantage of that? Well, obviously the basic stuff, which is like all the things you would do in SEO to begin with, which is like keyword research, figuring out what topics are popular among people, but also seeing how much competition there is around those topics. So you may see that content about ChatGPT is popping off all over TikTok right now. But when you look a little deeper, you're like, oh, wow, there's so much of this. It's from a lot of like large established so you may look and say, oh, well, there's like other AI services like Jasper or something else. Like, why don't I make a video about that? Um, and I think one thing to keep in mind um, that a lot of really successful YouTube creators have done well as people are trying to do this on TikTok, um, beyond loading your content with like keywords, not just in the caption, but also in the actual content of the video itself, since TikTok is hearing all of those words that you're saying um, is thinking more long-term about your SEO. So a lot of the most successful platform or sort of accounts on YouTube, sorry, channels, I should say, they've thought long-term about their search strategy. So they're not just making videos that people might be searching for this week or next week or next month, but evergreen topics that people are going to be searching for for years to come. So think about like established products, think about established platforms, think about things on the internet that you're pretty sure people are going to be talking about and using in 2030 and make some videos about that stuff. Because for me, when I was working in journalism, certainly the most valuable SEO content that we had was stuff that was getting repeat visitors for years, just quietly in the background delivering hundreds of thousands of page views every single month without any new work from us. And so I think bringing that mindset to some of the content people are making on TikTok will be really successful long-term strategy for growth and monetization. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you, sorry, when you say, you know, about evergreen content, that also reminds me a couple of things. One, um, YouTube uh, videos, uh, let's say, for example, fitness videos, right? Yeah. Same video, evergreen. You can put it every single day for your 30 minutes routine, for example, yeah. right? That, that is one. And then a thing that I think many people are still like, you know, sleeping on, it's content for kids, like YouTube kids, uh, for kids. It's like uh, the, a kid can watch the same video 30 times a day. Never not get bored. bored. In I, fact, they're like, please let me watch that video again. 
And parents are like, oh no, we got, we're, they're going to get this too beat into their heads and they're just going to keep singing the same song and I'm going to lose my mind. But no, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, content for kids is definitely here to stay. Um, I mean, when you look at some of the top 25 most valuable YouTube accounts, mm-hmm. a lot of them are children for sure. And, you know, my sister has two young children and... Um, you know, she she regulates their screen time, and I think that's certainly something that parents should think about. But uh, yeah, I mean, YouTube is a great tool if you need your children to pay attention to something that isn't you for half an hour. Um, and so I don't think that element is going away. And then obviously we've seen huge commercial success from accounts that have focused on toys in particular. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in that space as well. And I think it's like, it's also a space that I think people sort of associate with like parent blogging um, and like Instagram accounts devoted to parenting. But like, no, we're talking about content for children themselves that they would watch animated mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that uh, in the future. Cause if anything, maybe it's still a sort of underutilized space. I mean, there's so many young creators making stuff about the sort of things you would expect young creators to be making content about. Um, And obviously, I think people should stick to their passions. But when it comes to something like search in particular, like, yeah, there's going to be kids for uh, many, many, many decades to come at least. So, uh, you know, definitely be thinking about it. Absolutely. I've been seeing today on TikTok some of the first... uh videos uh with some gen alpha uh you know members like you know just out like and f- i love seeing like in com- the comments like hey gen z move now it's it's getting your over <laughs> like i feel that in a, in a couple of years that we're gonna of course you know change it to to gen alpha but uh, uh to start wrapping up on the episode so we uh uh we covered many different things right today uh content creators monetization challenges taxes uh uh, link tree, you know, like uh, new features and products and so on. What didn't ask you today, or like, is there anything that I didn't ask you today, or is there anything also, or could be the same, like that really excites you lately? Could be in the industry, something mm-hmm. outside the industry, just something that you are either following a lot uh, that make you like, wow, I want to see where this goes. Yeah. Well, I would say the answer to that is that it excites and slightly frightens me, but I'm fascinated by the emerging uh, artificial intelligence. So ChatGPT is already a tool that I'm using practically every single day in my work, and I'm demoing out a couple of other tools. So, you know, it it takes away some of the tasks or makes some of the tasks easier in my job um, that I maybe don't want to spend as much time doing. So... If I write a blog post, you know, usually I have to go through that blog post and really meticulously edit it and make sure that its tone is good. You know, I've done some work when I'm actually writing that, but, you know, it's not my favorite part of the process and it takes time. I can literally drop a paragraph into ChatGPT now. I just say, hey, ChatGPT, make this more fun or make this more elegant or make this more anything I can come up with. And it just does it. And it's often very, very good. Um, We're certainly using it to help with editing of scripts, um, even to come up with content ideas. And then I think the, the, I mean, it's already here, but the next sort of wave is like, you know, AI um, creation of images and video itself. 
Um, so that's going to be really big. And obviously, like we're seeing this new version of ChatGPT coming out in the next couple of months, and that's going to change the game again. So that's all super positive. But then, you know, I'm also seeing, you know, having lived through the rise of social media platforms and seeing that progression from, oh, wow, this is life changing. This is so cool. This allows me to communicate with my friends and family to, oh my God, I spend so much time on this. I'm so worried I spend too much time on this too. I'm worried that social media networks are having a negative effect on our children and our civilization. Like the narrative has really shifted over um, the last 10, 8, 15 years. And so, you know, with ChatGPT, we're seeing, and AI more generally, I think we're seeing that conversation evolve even more quick. Like people have learned from experience with past technology and we're seeing a lot more analysis and criticism and thought put into like, okay, well, where does the content that this AI is using to come up with its answers come from? And who owns that content? And how are we going to license it, if at all? And so I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting opportunities actually around that space in particular. Like we may begin seeing marketplaces for imagery that its purpose is primarily to train um, AI and give AI a starting point to build imagery. And those may become massive businesses in their own right. So I would say AI is like the space that like I'm most fascinated by right now. I think like, you know, it's the, the one major technology conversation that's happening right now where I don't think it's oversold at all. I think it's like, if anything, it's being undersold and people still aren't fully coming to grips with like how good AI is mm -hmm. going to be in two or three years when it's already able to, you know, write amazing articles for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every single day there is a new, more than a, one new app actually like in, in, for everything, right? So I'm also curious to see what, what is going to happen there. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's faster than expected, I would say. And so. Well, it's, it's, what do they say? It's like slowly at first, then all together, all at once, right? It's like, it's, that's how things work. It's like, it was a slow build. Everyone's been talking about AI. And then we saw when ChatGPT dropped, just like, wow, Twitter freaked out. It really did break the internet because it was like, it's the first time that people have had an AI assistant where they were like, oh, yeah. this is like, a, this is, this is, this is real now. And like, Again, like I know tons of people who are actually using it in their day-to-day -day lives, not just talking about it in podcast interviews. Like people are actually using it. And I think that that's the sign that it's here to stay. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. This was a fantastic episode. We covered so many, many things. Uh, good luck you know, for the new features and products uh, for Linktree. I'm pretty sure they're going to be fantastic. So again, thank you for you know sharing more knowledge no, thank you so much for all the thoughtful questions today. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to listening to it. Fantastic. Thank you. And for everyone else, this was the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. I'm going to see you next week. Mm -hmm.